Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big Drive Energy Winter Circle Edition on this Monday, the last Monday of January, which means next week, we're going to be at Wasted Management, and I cannot wait for some... It's actually really nice here in Denver, so I can't complain, um, but when it was like five degrees for like a week straight, 30 felt like shorts and sandals weather. Now it's like 60. I might be going a little, getting a little par three action in tomorrow afternoon. I'm feeling it. Ooh. I, dude, I got to take some outdoor swings before we play golf next week. Absolutely have to. Uh, yeah, the, the driving range. I don't know if I said this last week, but the driving range I usually go to out here, it's flooded. Uh, so I don't think they're like super urgent to fix that problem. It's just a lake. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think they're out there draining it or anything. And it's like high 30s, low 40s here. So it's not great. And it's been kind of windy and cold. Um, I mean, it's not terrible. I've hit golf balls in worse weather. But uh, yeah, it's kind of underwater right now. So unless I go inside to like a simulator or something, I might just be coming out super, super dry, super rusty to Arizona and trying to play some golf. So we'll see how that goes. I I don't forecast it going well. Uh, you know, expectations are the thief of joy. So I'm just going to keep those puppies low. And if I play some decent golf, I play some decent golf. So yeah, I just fucking luck into it. You never know. Well, happy Monday to those of you all out there. If you're tuning in, um, little new thing we started this year. We'll be on every Monday and Wednesday. Uh, Monday, we'll kind of recap what happened on the weekend. This week, uh, PGA Tour finished on Saturday. So we've got a recap of that. We've got some DP World Tour info. And then uh, Nelly Corda, another win for her. So we'll recap all of that. And then we'll finish this pod up with our Mulligan of the Week, which I've got a few options here. Um, it's been a. <laughs> Every time, like, I love having a segment like Mulligan of the Week because shit will happen to me and I'll just randomly go to Notes app on my phone and start writing shit down. Like, some bad yeah. shit. Every time. And I've got, like, a long laundry list of bad shit that keeps continuing to happen to me. And when I say bad, it's it's pretty minor for what could really be happening to me. But uh, I love having a segment like that. And we'll finish up every pod on Mondays with Mulligan of the Week. If you're tuning in on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up. Get some bubbles going. It's only you that makes the bubbles. Bubble boy. Bubble boy. Come on, where is it? God, this camera. No bubbles on. No bubbles on this Monday. That's all right. Yeah, all right. Weird. Well, let's hop into how your weekend was first, just personally, and then we'll talk about uh, Matthew Pivon and his uh -huh. win at the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been pretty good. I'm kind of sticking pretty hard to a, a relatively strict diet um, of like no carbs. So that's pretty much what we're doing. It's not really like, I guess, super stringent other than no carbs, uh, but it's tough. Like try not to eat bread and shit. Like I haven't had a, just a regular ass piece of sandwich bread in over three weeks. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, because it's just something that you're so used to eating on a regular basis that you don't even think twice about it. What are you guys laughing about? What the <laughs> fuck is that? Fucking, there's a fly, dude, and it's just like, oh. and it's like in the fucking uh, whatever the windowsill, and it just keeps catching my uh, ear. 
I'm okay. waiting for it to like dive bomb Marissa as we're sitting here. She just I thought you were laughing at me not eating bread. I thought no, you thought I, no, a- I'm pr- I'm proud of you for not eating bread. How like what uh what's your current lunch now? Are you just like eating leftovers? You making like different dinners and then just having it the next day? Because the uh, diet thing that we're on is the leftovers are awesome. I mean, relatively speaking, it's just nice to be able to like eat something that you're allowed to eat for dinner that takes a little more time to cook. Uh, we had shepherd's pie the other day, and I swear to God, um, my wife was in the kitchen for, no joke, an hour and a half. She got through like six chapters on her fucking book. Me and Sawyer were on the couch napping, and she used every goddamn utensil and um you know fucking pan and everything that we own that's how cooking goes bro the dish stack the next morning i was like fuck this is too much i I do not (laughs) like this because we can't put our new pans in the dishwasher strict rules um and so yeah i'm just like over there fucking got gloves on an apron doing dishes uh but yeah what's your what's your lunch look like now because dude that's the thing i miss too i haven't had bread in the same amount of time and I just love, like, so I'm missing Subway, no free ads, like something fierce. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just got to say, I've only been to the Subway by the office one time, and it is the wildest Subway I've ever been a part of. Uh, I watched a kid throw his sucker on the, the, the floor of that place. Actually, Marissa was there with us. Um, this kid throws a sucker on the floor and just picks it up and pops it right back in his mouth. And that's when I knew that place wasn't for me. Uh, but quality subs, I mean, you know, I, I can't complain that or, or JJ's. Uh, once again, no free ads, but their bread just fucking slaps. Like thinking about it just gets me going. Uh, but anywho, for lunch, I really haven't been eating lunch. Like I'll have a cup of coffee around 10 o'clock. I guess it's, I guess you call it lunch, but I've been eating like a yogurt with a little bit of granola and like two or three hard boiled eggs at like noon. Um, and then I go to the gym at like one thirty, two o'clock, uh, do a nice little executive workout, little hot tub, little, I actually do cardio and lift a little, but then I do the hot tub, the car, the sauna. Um, and then I drink a protein shake. Um, just one of those ones you get at Costco, like 18 bucks for like 30 of them. Uh, those are clutch. So I drink one of those afterwards. Um, if I'm feeling ambitious, I get a $12, uh, mocha madness from lifetime fitness, which there, when I first started going, I, uh, was getting one every time I was there and it was like a $250 a month, uh, protein shake budget, which I didn't think was super realistic, uh, long-term. So I went to Costco and got the protein shakes there, much less expensive. And then I usually I'll have like a snack or something else, like five, six o'clock. And then we eat dinner around seven thirty or eight. Uh, so that's kind of what it's looked like. I've been having some like just Turkey and cheese, um, you know, like roll up deals, whatever. And the best thing for me, and we've talked about it on the pod, but horseradish is like one of my favorite flavors of anything so i just throw like some horseradish sauce in the middle of that zero calories like it for something that has no calories it probably has the most flavor of anything possible that and like mustard i love mustard too because i just love throwing like some spicy mustard in there whatever uh but those have been kind of my snacks and stuff and then dinners we just been going protein vegetable and that's it. And my guilty pleasure is I have like two, uh, this sounds like the lamest shit. I, I just hated when that came out of my mouth. Uh, but I'll have like two or three little chocolate covered pretzels from Whole Foods for like dessert. So that ration them out and just put them yeah, on the counter. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, only one left. No, the other night I got a little drunk and killed like half a bag. But that was a. Uh, that was on a Saturday. So I will say Saturday is like kind of our cheat day. This is actually where my story was going. Um, so we went and had Italian food and I, I wouldn't say I went like hog wild. Like I didn't want to end my life when the meal was over. Cause that's usually how it goes with Italian food. At least for me is like, you need to stretch me out of there or just take me out. Uh, one of the two. So I didn't go crazy, but I had, um, 
ravioli. I had a, oh, what, I had burrata ravioli, which was very good. Um, and we got like meatballs as an appetizer, just two giant meaty clackers. Uh, so that, that was pretty fire also. Uh, but then I, yeah, I was just a little buzz when we got home and got into that bag of pretzels and fucking went to town. Can't trust myself. Yeah. Our diet, there's no, my guilty pleasure right now is applesauce. That's like the best <laughs> I can get unsweetened cinnamon applesauce, but it fucking slaps. Dear God, that's sad. And like those dried apple pieces, that's like the the only sugar you can really have are like there's like two or three fruits and that's about it. But I am feeling better physically and I'm starting to see a little bit of results. So once that starts to happen, you kind of become addicted to it. So now I'm like, no, fuck it. I'm fine. There's little things here and there where this diet just makes it kind of unsustainable for like a lifestyle change instead of a diet. But I think after the month is over and after we leave waste management, cause that's the last day is the Monday before we leave next week. So when we're there in Arizona, I, God knows I might come back looking like fucking John Daly. Um, but for now, like we're going to go and try to have stick to a plan a couple days a week, like Monday through two, Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, something where we eat like this. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, don't go full fucking country buffet, but, get you know back to eating at least some of the things that i enjoy and for instance my my dairy-free fucking gelato has been out of my life since since january rip dairy-free gelato gelato boy is calling your name dude i i drove past the ice cream gelato the other day and i fucking yelped i was so sad i was like fuck this for a second i thought you just said ice cream that way and i I don't know what ice cream gelato is that's like the lamest no, it's like it's I ever heard. the 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 place is called I period scream period gelato. I got that, and it's still boring okay. as shit. It is either way. Uh, yeah, I I really haven't been dabbling in in the desserts very much, but you know, every once in a while you gotta. We also last last Saturday because we went to the the Flyers game, uh, Flyers Avs, and I had a Philly cheesesteak. And then Missy just wanted to double down, and we ended up getting our favorite pizza that night. So oh, it was, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah, we went off the rails on last Saturday. Um, and then there was just leftover pizza. It staring me in the face in the uh, in the fridge, and there was three leftover pieces. And I've only had I had one on Tuesday, and I think we're gonna throw out the rest. The shitty part is, is like it's like kind of artisanal pizza and it's like 35 bucks 40 bucks a pie so it's not just like your dog shit you know five dollar pizza that you don't mind throwing out it's kind of like damn this is like a eight dollar slice of pizza i kind of feel bad throwing it out but at the end of the day it's for my health so i just gotta fucking toss that shit in the trash and not look back lock in um other news and notes from my life thanks for asking uh no i'm just kidding but i your boy here is first place in the playoff uh pick'em league for not the one we do together but the one i'm in with our boy rod our old uh member at the golf course rod oh damn yeah so uh first place is sixteen hundred dollars so i just need to have a strong super bowl but i went perfect uh on the weekend i had kansas city plus the points and the under in that game i had Detroit plus the points and the over in the second game. So clean sweep for me uh, this weekend on the the uh, Pick'em League. So now I need to go into the Super Bowl. And I believe there's a couple of other things to pick. It's not just the game in the under. Uh, I'm leaning towards San Francisco in the over right now with a one and a half point spread. Uh, but I hope that gets to like, I hope by the time the game starts, I predict Kansas City will be like a half a point favorite or maybe a point favorite. Because whoever makes the odds can't get torn a new you-know-what hole again like this past weekend, giving Patrick Mahomes and the fucking Chiefs, who have been in three of the last four Super Bowls, four and a half points against a team. Great. The Ravens are great. Yeah. But Lamar Jackson's never fucking proven anything. And Mahomes has proven everything time and time again. So hope they that's get that my, shit figured that's out. Mulligan, that's my mulligan of the week. So let's save that. Um, okay. We'll, we'll talk but, about it. 
Yes, I, I do like your uh, I like your pick them. Um, I will say that I was tweeting about the Lions because I was rooting for them. And uh, I don't know if your wife was drinking last night or hammered. Absolutely. Okay. Hammered. She was a little drunk. Um, yeah, she was she letting was, you have it. Yeah, she was like popping off. And I actually thought it was funny. Like I was just dead ass honest with why I don't really like the Niners. Um, but having said that, I will act like I'm the biggest Niners fan in the world uh, in two weekends because I hate the Chiefs more than I hate just about anything in this world. So um, whatever to see them lose, I am with. Like, well, you know, you know, one thing I appreciate about you is she woke up like feeling super like sorry towards everyone. She was a giant dick to her brother as well uh, and just everyone that texted her. But... <laughs> The one thing I appreciate about you in general is you're one of the biggest shit talkers in the entire planet and you, but you take it like, you're not the person that's going to get ass hurt when somebody shit talks you because you throw it out, but you can also take it. So I just want to let you know, man to man, I appreciate that in general, both being your brother and having my wife drunkenly throw <laughs> fucking niner slang all over at you. No, it's, I, I mean, she deserves it. Like, she deserves to talk that shit. I was just rooting for the Niners because it was, a, or I'm sorry, the Lions, uh, because it was a good story. But like my main gripe with the 49ers, and I told her this via text message, is they have not won a Super Bowl yet. And it feels like everybody's crowned Kyle Shanahan, this genius coach. And, you know, all of the, they're given all of these accolades. It's like, it, it honestly feels like they've won a Super Bowl in like the last five years. If you would just, listen to how they're talked about amongst everybody in America because everybody treats them like they're the next, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's like, okay, well they are very good, but win a Super Bowl, And then we can say you're that good. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yep. They, they're the favorites every year. They're, uh, this is super talented offense, you know, great defensive yeah, players on, just... on both sides of the ball. It's like win a Super Bowl, and then I'll, I'll give you your flowers. Yeah, 100%. And and you're not wrong. I The only thing I wanted out of last night, obviously, other than the Niners winning, if it was any other team, I don't care who it is. I just want whatever team won that game to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And as much as the Lions, like, came out and, you know, fucking blitzed them from the start and then, you know, one turnover and all of a sudden everything went straight downhill, some stupid mistakes from the coach, but he coaches that way. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. I just don't think the Lions would be able to beat Kansas City. And I'm not saying the Niners will, like I hope they do, but I, I believe they have a better chance than the Niners beating KC. So that's just my personal opinion, but I I hope anybody, I, if it was the fucking Carolina Panthers, I'd be rooting for them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, how much did you like that late touchdown, though? Because if you had the Lions covering... That got you over the hump right there. So. Yeah, I wanted him to kick the fucking field goal. That would have worked too, but either way. No, I think the touchdown was fine. It worked out fairly well for no, me. No, it worked out well, but I'm saying they could have they could have stopped at like the 30, kicked a field goal, and then had more time to go for the onside kick and then score a touchdown, and it would have been the same. They still needed both of them. So yeah. I was a little more sure. nervous that they were going for the touchdown when it was like fourth and goal, and they finally, you know, that was yeah. it made it a little more nervous for me. Well, in real time, a lot of people didn't realize it. Like I was watching the game with Missy, and when they ran it and didn't get it on third down and had to use a timeout, I was like, "That's the game. The game's over." Like, barring getting an onside kick, which is basically impossible now, um, it was definitely like a lackluster end of the game for how exciting it was to start. Like, it looked like, you know, how can you be down seventeen at halftime, and then with two minutes left in the game, you're up by ten. Like, holy shit, what a – I mean, and there was collapses on both sides of the ball for the Lions, and I'm not a fucking football analyst, so I'm not going to get into it. But uh, I'm sure a lot of Detroit Lions fans want Josh Reynolds out of town. Uh, Josh Reynolds pretty quickly because he basically lost them the football game, in my opinion. Dropping that, that first fourth down conversion pretty much ruined the game for them. Um from a momentum standpoint, because then everything was just coming up Niners. Like, you know, the the IU catch, everything. I'm not going to keep going. But obviously, they they won the game. They're in the first half, though. The Lions offensive line, you have to admit, 
was moving the Niners defensive line. Like Montgomery was not getting touched five, six till he was five, six, seven, eight yards downfield, which was insane. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen that kind of like run blocking display. And I was like, this team could beat the chiefs. Like if they run that well, because their defense is not great. And that's why, you know, that was Dan Campbell's reasoning for not, you know, going for it, but, uh, or for going for it, I guess, and not letting them have more opportunities because he knows his defense is not that great. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it's probably the two best teams that are in there. Uh, I, it's hard to say the chiefs are a better team. They just have the one best player in the world. Um, and their defense, I, I got to respect their defense. Like they, they shut down the Ravens pretty well. So anywho, that, that was pretty much my weekend, just watching football, watching golf, uh, getting punched in the gut. Once again, I actually tweeted earlier in the week after we put out our picks, I was like, who's going to bend us over this week? Uh, tune in to find out. And the answer was Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, just, I, I wouldn't call it a collapse. So let me, let me hear your thoughts. Were you able to watch some of this coverage? Yeah. So I watched basically the entire final round. Uh, first of all, it was nice to get back to an event on the PGA tour, just in professional golf to watch. That wasn't just an absolute birdie fest the whole time. Uh, yeah. guys were struggling to make pars. Guys were struggling to, you know, keep the ball in the fairway. I mean, some of those fairways, dude, were unbelievably tight. Just looking at the coverage, I don't know how you hit them, especially on some of the par fives. And uh, Matthew Pavon, congratulations to him. So he's the first winner on a like a PGA Tour sanctioned event since 1907 from France. Um, and so it's kind of insane to think that like there, you know, some of the names I read, you know, French professional golfers, like they're kind of. Gene Vandeveld's probably like the most famous, um, especially for his collapse. But it was fun to watch a, a golf tournament with guys not being able to just run away from the field. And he really had to make a an incredible birdie on 18 after Hoygaard put the pressure on him. Um, but what did you think of the tournament overall in terms of I saw a lot of tweets, especially Friday, Saturday, mentioning like this is not good for the PGA Tour. Look at this leaderboard. Look at the, these names. And, you know, Pavon and Hoygaard both played last year on the DP World Tour mostly. And actually Pavon's story is kind of crazy. Before I get into that, like just give me your thoughts on the leaderboard going into the weekend, what it means for the PGA Tour. And, you know, it's not, this isn't a signature event or anything like that. But like, did you have that same feeling taking yourself out of our golf minds where we kind of watch and know who a lot of guys are just your casual everyday PGA tour fan tuning into that on Friday afternoon. Like who the fuck what's going on here? Oh, for sure. Like if Nikolai Hoygaard wasn't one of my picks for the week, I would not have been able to care any less uh, about the tournament this weekend, unfortunately, because, and that's, that's the shitty part is it, definitely drives ratings when you have those big guys at the top of the leaderboard but that finish was still just as good as like any finish you're gonna get it's just with three names we've never heard of before so that is kind of the challenge for the pga tour and uh monday qualifier info monday q info on twitter he's very good at highlighting these stories about players that are not you know the the top 10 the scotty scheffler the Jordan Spieth, the Justin Thomas, the Xander Schauffele's of the world. And that's kind of the direction golf needs to go into more because it gets you familiar with these dudes like Matthew Pivon, uh, well, Hoygaard, somewhat of a national name now that, you know, he qualified for the Ryder or he was chosen for the Ryder Cup last year. Um, Nathan Lashley's won before on the PGA Tour. Jason, Jason Knapp, uh, is a rookie. Steven Yeager was another dude. He was in the final group and nobody had ever heard of him before. So the finish was great, but yeah, from a, a standpoint of like a stacked leaderboard, it, it definitely left something to be desired. Um, yeah. So I took this picture of the, the TV on Saturday. Uh, this is when Yeager and Pavon were both at 13 under. So you had Yeager, Pavon, Finau, Hoygaard, Hostler, 
Aberg, Shafle, Kevin Yu, Parker Cootie, and Jake Knapp. And other than Shafle and Finau, none of those players had won a tour event before this year. Aberg has won. And then other than that, everybody on the top of that leaderboard has zero wins. And I think there's two ways to look at this. A lot of people will say, oh, that's cool. A bunch of guys are getting their chance to win for the first time. Uh, but there's something about just watching golf and seeing a guy like Tony Finau shoot up the leaderboard and want to root for him. You know, taking the betting aspect out of it as well, which obviously we wanted Hoygaard. Some people, I think, fall on both sides of the coin. And as much as I want to fall on the side of the coin of guys winning their first event, and this was like a life-changing thing for Matthew Pavon, it's it's not as fun. Like, I would have loved to see, like, Shafley up there at the top and then Finau, Jason Day, who was my pick for the one-and-done league, who've missed the fucking cut. Will Zalatoris is a guy that kind of came through on Sunday. You know, guys like that where you recognize the names, and I don't want to be that way, but something about me and watching golf, it's just I kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely want to gravitate towards names that you know and are familiar with. Um, And the shitty thing, too, is like, I mean, I hate to knock the PGA Tour once again, but it just seems like week in and week out, their coverage um, is just so like singular when you have cameras all over the course and you somehow like, did we see a single shot of Nathan Lashley's final round? None. Uh, Cause I did not even realize he was on the leaderboard until I looked at it. Um, Jason Knapp, um, Knapp. I don't know if it's, you pronounce the K or not. And it, hopefully it's Jason. It's Jake. My even better. Just <laughs> his whole fucking name his name may be jason he just shortened it yeah jake for short um we didn't see like a single shot of his final round really uh so there's just so many guys um like that played well on sunday and that is the one thing that's tough when you have a, a tougher course like this on tour is it's fun but you're also not going to get a guy like vaulting up the leaderboard. Like the lowest round on Sunday was five under. So that got Nate Lashley into a tie for third, but uh, you're not seeing any 62s, you know, 61s. And in all honesty, I'm not like a huge um, Torrey Pines guy. Like it just doesn't look that inviting to me. And you can just like see how thick the air is out there. And I would just know my ball would be going, probably 250 260 yards um so it just makes me like hate that place like i'm i'm not huge on it it's just a big pretty straightforward i mean besides the landscape which obviously you got to give kudos to the landscape it's on the cliffs outside of uh what it's just north of um san diego i I forget what it's called costa mesa whatever don't give a shit but the landscape is amazing other than that though the golf course for me is just kind of meh like i i feel like it's somewhat overrated and obviously it's a big name um golf course so they continue to play the pj tour event there but it leaves something to be desired i will say though 18 is a great finisher um just so much room for so many things like you could like with all that thick rough up the left side, you can stomp behind your ball um, and really give yourself a lie. So I, I mean, there's just so many crazy options down the stretch. You can fluff it over in that rough. I mean, that rough was insane though. They said it was five inches. It was longer than that. Cause I'm pretty familiar. Five yeah. inches. Yeah. It was up to your knees. If knee, if my kneecaps are five inches off the ground, that's how high I was. Um, but no, it was crazy thick. Like I, I forget who it was, but somebody hit a ball in the rough and it took, I think 30 people, like five minutes to find it. And oh, I think yeah. Colt Nost was talking about that. I think it was, uh, Tony Fien- No, maybe it was Xander, but yeah, he's like, it just took us so long to find this ball and they've got the whole fucking staff out there. He's fucking stomping down. And that's the tough part, too, is like you want to be careful of like stepping on it and making it worse. But that rough was absolutely insane. And and that place, I think they do that because they want to have, you know, the U.S. Open obviously is is in semi rotation there. And I think it's next year. Is it really? So, uh, yeah, I think 
I don't know. I, I will. I won't. I ain't gonna lie. I have no fucking clue. I haven't checked that far in advance. I just know where they're at this year, and don't ask me because I can't tell you off the top of my head. Um, the some funny stats or just an insane comparison that uh, I saw and bookmarked bookmarked from Wednesday, first round of the tournament. The North Course players combined were 179 under par, and the South Course players combined were three under par in one day. That's insane. Yeah, like just the discrepancy. That just goes to show you how crazy golf is in general, but like those, that's the same property for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Torrey Pines is one of the longest uh, courses they play on tour. So it does make sense. The South course, especially it's the tougher of the courses. Um, it makes sense that it's, you know, that hard, but like you said, to, to play two golf courses that week and have one be that much easier than the other is pretty insane. Um, and the crazy part was, was Nikolai Hoygaard shot five under day one on the South course had probably like the round of the week. Um, but I will say for how impressive Nikolai Hoygaard was, his swing is like, it's pretty wild. I don't want to get too technical, but it's very flat and his hands get very deep at the top of his backswing. And then he kind of dumps it underneath a little bit. He gets really caught inside. And then he ended up hitting, I think on Sunday, he hit like four or five fairways, maybe six, like not very many fairways. And he was just hitting this big push. And that is clearly means your swing path is too far inside out. Uh, so there's, I think there needs to be some sort of adjustment there. And it's honestly impressive that he's as elite. He is at the game from that position, because that's a pretty tough position to be good from. I've taught people from there and they're not near as good, um, obviously, but he's just got a, a, a unique move at it and he just needs to get some of those things sorted out. But the dude's 22 years old. Like it, it blows my mind. I, I can't believe I was like, isn't he 25 or 26? And they're like, yeah, he's 22. I'm like, holy shit. Cause it, he's been out there for a few years already. So it, it just kind of naturally feels like he should be in his mid twenties, but uh, just a, a crazy finish down the stretch. Yeah. So a couple other notes I have before we get into Pavon winning and we'll get this clip up too of him taking a little French stomp, a little French bread stomp on the fucking rough. So on Thursday, which was cut day this week, uh, Colin Morikawa was at was one under par, and the cut at that moment was three under par, and it was pretty much like almost all the way everybody's already in. He's 275 out and needs Eagle to make the cut. And the announcer, I didn't know, I don't know which one it was, he goes, this is why you practice so much, for moments like these. And I'm like, dude, you think a fucking open championship champion gives a fuck? about missing one cut on the farmer's insurance open in 50k because of uh you know like i was just like dude what kind of comment is that like if it's a guy that's never won on tour before or a guy trying to keep his card different scenario but a guy like colin morikawa doesn't give a shit about missing one cut at tory pines because he had he was a couple under par he didn't make eagle didn't make the cut um but you know just it was just a funny comment because i'm like dude i i get you're trying to like get people to like maybe have some thoughts about you know what making the cut really means on tour paycheck no paycheck etc but Colin Morikawa is not a guy that I think was overly concerned with that and it's also you know from watching Thursday night as well or the night of the cut Harris English basically had a chance to if he made birdie there were 17 guys that were all sitting at the same number that weren't getting a paycheck if he makes birdie on the hole. So it's kind of crazy to think about guys sitting in the clubhouse watching that and being like, oh, shit, like, do I get to play two more days of golf? Do I get a paycheck or am I out of here? And all rides on one guy. And you, you wonder if, like, you know, they're not communicating with him. But if Harris, like, looks up and sees, you know, he's T65 or T66, um, and needs to make a birdie to get in, but then gets a bunch of other guys out. Uh, you know, he's obviously playing for himself, but if he gets in and gets keeps a bunch of other guys in, uh, you know, maybe he does it for does it for the boys one time. Wants the boys to play in the weekend with him. Yeah, you never know. He could be taking one for the team. Um, all right, so Matthew Pavon. Uh, we'll, we'll get this clip up here of his 
horrible lie, which uh, he actually quoted the ball came out like a feather. And uh, if you're wondering why, make sure to check our pod out on YouTube, youtube.com, Big Drive Energy Golf. But there is the clip of him here um, taking a, do you think he tripped here? Was this an incidental step or what's going on here? Because that looks like a quick short step followed by a quick left right also behind his golf ball. Um, the players he was playing with are 100 yards back. And, you know, TV cameras are everywhere, especially when you're leading an event. But it looks pretty non-incidental to me, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he looked like a place kicker, like lining up a, a football. Like he took the two steps in, stomped behind the ball, and then went straight back from there. Um, and the funny thing is, is like we've all been there <laughs> where especially I'll say more like high school golf when – you think you might be in a fucking tight spot and you're like, I'm going to get out ahead of everybody. And you know, whatever it is, I'm going to figure this out before everybody gets here. Like Uh a million percent, you fucking get your push cart and you start moving at like five miles an hour as you're, they're all dinking around in the fairway. And you're just like, you're going up to the out of bounds stakes and you're like doing this move. You're like, ah, oh, looks in, fucking hit it as quick as I can. Oh yeah, we're good. That was in. Everybody <laughs> does that shit, especially in high school. It's fucking, it's a free for all out there with a bunch of fucking preteens and shit playing. A golf. thousand percent. And I feel like Matthew Pavon just got caught in the moment where he was like, well, and realistically, nobody could see where the ball was anyways. So, like everybody said on Twitter, tough to tell where the ball is. But that step definitely looked intentional. Unless there was a big scary spider on the ground that he wanted to kill, but there was definitely a pretty heavy step, what looked to be right behind his golf ball. So yeah, the fact that honestly, the fact that he pulled the shot off is crazy regardless, but stomping behind it definitely helps that a little. Um, And the fact that the shot had like any sort of spin on it, uh, because technically that's what creates spin is friction between the golf club and the golf ball. And if grass gets in between there, uh, that impedes the friction and therefore takes spin off of it. So it definitely looked like he caught that one pretty clean and it didn't quite look like he was like swinging an ax. Like he didn't come in vertical on it in order to clip it too clean. So, uh, yeah, definitely a little suspicious. Um, if I was Erasmus, I'm sorry, Nikolai Hoygaard, I would be, uh, I'd be, take it I'd, I'd be throwing the challenge flag on that shit and uh i would want to see a little review of that action yeah real quick note rasmus and nikolai hoygaard finished both uh second place in their respective tournaments on the dp world tour and pga tour this week both 22 years old twins t2 second place like pretty twos, impressive shit yeah twos were uh all in abundance for the hoygaard twins real quick on matthew pavon so he's a DP World Tour member and was for seven years without a win until he won in 2023, the Spanish Open. Then he finished with five birdies in his last seven holes at the DP World Tour Championship to finish T5, which got him his PGA Tour card for 2024. Now he's got a win on tour under his belt and just his you know fourth start of this season. And is going to be fully exempt for two straight years. Um, this guy didn't turn pro until, or he didn't start play, playing golf until he was 17 years old. He came to America, got some lessons for golf. This is just goes to show you his dad played soccer in Europe for like 12, 13 years. So uh, the genetic pool is in his favor in terms of that. But when he started to become a pro golfer, he's ranked 890th. In the, no, in amateur, he was the 890th best amateur in the entire world. Uh, and now he's a PGA Tour winner at a place, uh, you know, a pretty storied place in um, Torrey Pines. And the Farmers Insurance Open wasn't that crazy of a field, but there was definitely, uh, de- there's definitely a good enough, you know, top top end talent there to be in a little more of an impressive win than like a, an opposite field event, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And actually the funny thing was um, you mentioned that stat about him get just sneaking in uh, at the final DP world tour event to get his PGA tour card. I actually think 
when he made that run, he booted out Rasmus Hoygaard. I think Rasmus was the first guy out to not get a PGA Tour card out of that scenario because of Pavon's run that he had um, at the end of the uh, tour finale of the DP World Tour. So kind of a crazy thing. It would be so cool to like play on tour with your brother. Speaking of brothers on uh, the DP World Tour, there's a there's this dude named Nacho Elvira, Elvira, Spanish guy. Um, and then there was another guy on the leaderboard on the DP World Tour, um, and his name is Manuel Elvira, Elvira, however you say it, and they're brothers and they live together. So I just think that shit is so cool to have brothers out on tour. And obviously, uh, not obviously, but there's never been brothers that have won the same week on separate tours. But I would feel like that's pretty uh, pretty slim chances of happening. Uh, would be probably one of the coolest things ever if they were able to pull that off. But uh, just crazy what some of these young brothers are doing out on tour. Like you've got a few pairs of them out there now, so. Yeah, we're no longer young, and we're not absolutely not doing anything on any sort of tour. Just talking about it. Um, That's just true. here, t- just here talking about it. I wonder. Maybe Rasmus was a little obvious. He's got some, maybe some, uh, some hate towards Pavon after that missing out on the the PGA Tour, and then Nikolai loses to him. Like Matthew Pavon's just the the Hoygaard twins fucking kryptonite at this point. Yeah, he's enemy number one in the Hoygaard family household. They fucking hate that dude. Um, <laughs> but, but they're from Denmark, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and I think those people are pretty nice. So I don't know how much hatred. Like, I will say Rasmus was clapping when he made that putt. Or, God damn, I mix up their names all the time. Nikolai was, was clapping after Pavon made that final putt to win. So got to give him credit. And I honestly thought that Nikolai almost knocked that eagle putt in. And I would have been just over the moon, like I would have shot through the roof if I would have seen that shit. Yeah, we uh, still we still did get uh, eight units back on Hoygaard's bet, so just not the thirty five that we were hoping for in the win. Um, before we get to the DP World Tour and the LPGA Tour winners from this past weekend, I want to tell you guys about our great friends over at Bet Three Six Five. Every single week, we do our picks on Bet Three Six Five. They give you a super easy way to bet on golf. They give you the each ways, which is what we use. You can go in there. You place one unit. It doubles it for you and puts a unit on your player to win as well as putting a unit on your player to place, whether that's one through five, one through eight, one through 10, one through 12. So many different options over at Bet365. Use the code ALLCITY when you sign up and you have two different offers that you get to choose from. Um, You get to... Choose from a offer of a first bet safety net of $1,000 or betting $5 and get $150 in bonus bets. When you sign up, must be 21 plus. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to tell you guys about our great friends over at Breckenridge Distillery. I have been hammering the Breckenridge Distillery pear vodka. I started my day off yesterday with a pear vodka soda. Absolutely delectable. Uh, you don't have to mix it with anything. It could be, it could just be pear vodka water, and it goes down so smooth. And pear is such an underrated flavor for me. Just it's a it, top, as a thing. It's, it's my you know? top three for sure. I, I think we've always been big pear guys. Uh, I don't know if we just ate a lot of them growing up. I was a big fan of pears and still am. Uh, but yeah, pear vodka. It's like a, it's like a cheat code. Like, like you said, you really don't need to mask it with anything else. You don't need like club soda, you know, you just get a little fizz in there, but a little pear vodka and just regular club soda, absolutely fire. Yeah. So I'm mashing the pear vodka. You can mash the pear vodka or one of their high rye mash whiskeys. One of the top whiskeys in the entire world. One of our favorite whiskeys. Still got to get down on the powder hound. I haven't yet, um, but I will. Uh, I, I'm feeling better now. I'm, I'm looking, I haven't been in the sipping whiskey mode in a little while, so got to get back to that at some point. Um, but I'm the only whiskey I'm going to be sipping is Breckenridge distillery. Make sure you check them out. If you're in Colorado, you're doing a little family trip. You're up in the mountains, check out the actual distillery. They'll go through, show you how the whiskey's made. There's great food. 
uh, and parking up there. One of the few places in Breckenridge that has parking, according to Mitchell Smith. And if you're not in the state of Colorado or don't plan on visiting, which is a big mistake by you, make sure to check out BreckenridgeDistillery.com. You can get that whiskey anywhere in, in all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii. I'm sure if you go down to your local liquor store, they will have at least one or two options for you. Uh, the Argonaut here by work has quite a few options, always makes it tough, but they always come out with new blends every single year, and there's always different bunch of different flavors along with the pear vodka or any type of vodka. Um, they have a blizzard. Yeah, there's just so many options. So check it out, BreckenridgeDistillery.com. Get it in all 50 states. All right. DP World Tour, Torbjorn Olsen. Uh, his first win in a couple of years. Vault I think he just up. won last year. Are you sure about that? I looked at his official world golf rankings, and I think he won last year. Okay, well, he won last year. Um, it, oh, so, yeah. It, it's his third year in a row with a win on the DP World Tour. But <laughs> it was... It was twenty. It was three hundred and forty-three days ago when he won the Thailand Classic in twenty twenty-three. So, almost, I was almost correct. Three hundred sixty-five days in a year, twenty-two days off. Sue me. Fair enough. Um, uh, and he, so he's con- go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say he's converted uh, seven of his eight fifty-four hole leads or co-leads on the DP World Tour. Um, it's his fifteenth professional win worldwide. And he is also from Denmark. So Denmark boys had a great week. Top of the leaderboard on the DP World Tour is just a big Denmark flag. Yeah, so a few things on the DP World Tour notes. Um, Have you realized how small their purses are in comparison to the PGA Tour? Yeah, it's kind of crazy to look at the difference between a winner on each one. And now it's one of the reasons where... I was like, why would they want to move from the DP World Tour to the PGA Tour? I mean, we as Americans, we think everything is better in America. But real reality, if guys grew up in Europe and love you know, being in Europe, why wouldn't they want to play that tour for their entire career? Well, look at the payout, and that'll give you one of the reasons. Yeah, I think uh, Matthew Pavon made as much money as the entire purse was for the DP World Tour event this last weekend. So that might give you somewhat of an idea as to how much money um, is on the PJ tour versus the DP world tour. A few other things, uh, Torbjorn Olsen, I feel like he was pretty popular six, seven, eight years ago. I want to say he made a few, it made at least one Ryder cup team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then it kind of felt like he fell off. Uh, but it is also crazy. He's in the, uh, I think he's 57th in the world right now, which it really doesn't feel like he should be that high. Uh, but I guess, you know, you win once a year for three years, you're doing pretty well for yourself. Um, another note is, I don't know if this is still his nickname, but I know it used to be. His nickname is Thunder Bear. And that is like the coolest nickname I think you could have. Like that na- nickname, I don't know where it came from, but it fucking hits. So I'm just jealous of the dude's nickname. And his name is pretty cool, Torbjorn. Like, it sounds like he should be jousting with somebody on a horseback. Thun- Thunder Bear is fire. That, yeah. That may be the Killer. best nickname I've ever heard. Yeah. Top five. Um, it's up. It looks like, uh, you, you, well, you were watching a little bit of the DP World Tour broadcast. Rasmus Hoygaard hitting three wood from 280 out. Oh, yeah. He, the the announcers on the DP World Tour are so funny. And just their – I feel like any English accent just makes shit better. Um, but he was like, I thought you'd have a crack with the big chief. And he was talking about hitting driver off the deck, and I was just cracking up. I'm like, I don't think anybody in America would say that shit. So uh, you just get little good little nuggets when you watch the DP World Tour. Yeah, dude, DOD is – it's becoming a thing now again. It's like a, it was like a trick shot thing for a while. Uh, our boy Tanner, uh, T Pillows, he used to fucking DOD it all the time, like an absolute lunatic. Uh, and with I a Taylor made, Taylor the... made white burner, and he'd fucking yeah. hit this piss missile cut, but he could hit it. Yeah, no, I used to hit a some DODs back in the day, um, but the tough thing is, is I mean, I wouldn't say it's easier now, but. Trackman has definitely made it more uh, viable for guys to go driver off the deck because 
they can get their angle of attack a little bit better um, versus like I used to hit so far down, I would take a divot with my driver and that thing was just spinning like crazy and there was no way I was getting it out there further than my three wood. So it was kind of pointless, but if you can sweep it off the ground pretty well, it's going to go, you know, probably 20, 30 yards shorter than your uh, driver off a tee. But if that's longer than your three wood, then fuck it. Like I saw, I think Max Homa went driver off the deck at Torrey Pines. So um, it's, it's making a resurgence. Yeah. It's uh, there was a funny, there's a funny guy on TikTok now that plays golf with like jorts on. And he did this whole thing about how to lay up. Um, and he fucking, he goes into like shooting the middle of the fairway with your rangefinder, trying to find the biggest area. And then he's like, you take your six iron and he goes full Sam Gary and just throws it down the fairway. Uh, and then he goes, and then you pull your driver out and you pull your tee out. And then he fucking hits his tee into the fairway and he goes, and you throw that thing on the ground, you go DOD and he just like plows one. Uh, it was pretty funny. I think he's making a little run on the on the golf TikTok, but yeah, he's got like jorts up to the, his mid thigh, um, and is wearing like a I believe like your typical. Is this, uh, is this the tattooed kid with like the cut off shirt? Yeah, the cut off plaid shirt. Yeah, um, I, that was a great story though. Thank you for going through the whole thing. All right, let's get into actually a great story, and that's Nelly Corda. Um, winning this past weekend. She, so this is like her homecoming event. Uh, she's from Bradenton, Florida, where this is played. Uh, her ninth win, and she hasn't won since 2022. So uh, she was the one that I was thinking of when I got a little ahead of myself with our, our friend Torbjorn Olson. Um, but she was leading going into the final round and then shot two over par um and lydia co tied her and then they went into a sudden death playoff and she won on the second hole um but she even said she got quoted and saying i thought the tournament was over going into 17 um then she said i kind of just gave myself a chance i knew if i rolled the eagle in i had to birdie the last hole so she finished uh eagle birdie and um now she's keeping lydia co out of the hall of fame for one more week so remember we talked about last week, Lydia Ko was one point away from being Hall of Fame eligible on the LPGA Tour. Um, she's still now one point shy because she hasn't snagged that point, and Nellie Corda took it right out from under her. Um, yeah, I I didn't really understand exactly how that worked when we talked about it last, but I guess it's automatic bid. Like when you get to 20 wins, you just are in the Hall of Fame like right then, which is kind of weird to me. Like, there's no waiting period. There's no nothing. Like, okay, Lydia, you're in the Hall of Fame now, even though you're still playing. You're like that. That I don't quite understand. I like that there's a benchmark. Like, once you get to 20 wins, uh, you know, you're pretty much an automatic bid, but give it a little time to season, not just, you know, just throw her plaque up in the Hall of Fame and, you know, keep going. That sounds like something right out of like the MLB's playbook. You just do it on like the worst possible time where nobody's watching and nobody cares. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, her Nelly finishing Eagle birdie was insane and then winning in the playoff, but Lydia is going to get that 20th win. Um, you know, it's just a matter of time. And the fact that she's only 26 also blows my mind. Uh, real quick, fun fact. I was looking up driving distances on the LPGA tour, just out of curiosity. Um, so Nelly Corda is like 60th on tour, right at 250 yards, uh, a drive average um the lowest the just take a gander at what the shortest tour player on the lpj tour hits it so uh, and this short. is almost like this is almost like a i don't know if the stats completely correct because it seems like fishy uh is it start with a one no okay but, uh, <laughs> 205 yes Ariana Jatanyagarn this season so far is averaging 205 off the tee. And the next closest is like 237. So I don't really necessarily know how that makes sense. Like it almost is like, did she not play driver the first few weeks? Like, did she break it or what the story is there? Because if you're by far, if you're 30 yards shorter than the next closest on tour, I don't know how you maintain uh, keeping a, a tour card, especially if you're hitting driver 200 yards and 
you know, you have a 350 yard par four and you're hitting like a seven iron or not even a, she's probably hitting five hybrid, five iron. Like how can you make birdies hitting driver five iron unless you're just throwing these little darts out there, like hundred mile, hundred mile an hour ball speed, just on a string. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'd have to look a little bit more into that, but isn't that wild? Like I think the longest player on the, the ladies uh, LPG tour hits like 287. Uh, so definitely further than me, especially at sea level. Um, I'd be probably like middle of the pack on the LPG tour for driving distance, maybe towards like the, <clears throat> the top end. Uh, but it's, it's a tough scene for me out there. I, I would not want to play with them. Yeah, no, a 205 may just be like, maybe she's got the driver yips and she just hits, like you said, hits three wood all the time. So they don't even have like, they have one tee shot of her driver and it went 205 into the rough. Um, but kind of, yeah, kind of crazy to think you can play professional golf hitting it that short off the tee, but she'd clearly fucking dog walk me. So I'm not going to talk any shit. Um, speaking of driving distance, before we get into our mulligan of the week, uh, I figured out me and Mitchell workshopped it that last week. So I got my, I got dog walked. I'll just use it again, uh, in my league round. But luckily, my teammates carried us, and we got three of the four points in the match. Um, but Mitchell and I workshopped this because I had been thinking about it all night. It kept me up uh, a few of the tee shots that I had hit at the simulator. And turns out the ball does matter on the sim. And there was a few drives where I, no joke, looked down, and it looked like a, uh, a top flight that had hit a cart path 35 times in a row. And I was just like, it's a si- I, I thought out loud to or out loud to myself inside to myself and i was like this doesn't fucking matter this ball doesn't matter and i was making swings where i was getting like 116 uh club head speed ball speed like 165 and it was carrying like 230 and i was like i was fucking fuming and i was like i is it that it's the fact that it's fucking sea level we played some course in baja sur like california and i i was fucking pissed and the guys we were playing with, like one of the, the dude that was like the lowest handicap, because that's how you play, like low versus low, mid versus mid. Uh, he, this is the true like handicap round keeping because it's match play. Um, he shot, I had the low gross in the group, but he beat me three and two. And he shot like 43 or 44, but he had a nine on a par five. And in match play, it doesn't matter. He just like kept pumping him out of bounds. So basically just like gave me the win. And then afterwards, I thought, you motherfucking sandbagger. I was like, no wonder this guy keeps his, like, he had like a full, I was giving him like four shots in nine holes. Um, so I well, was he's almost. sure sandbagging. Yeah, that's bullshit. I'd be like, why don't you just concede the hole? Don't hit, you know, three out of bounds and take a nine because that's bullshit. Yeah. So he, he beat me. Uh, I'm going to come. I'm actually not going to play the next two weeks because I'm going to come see you. I'm going to be in Philadelphia this weekend. Uh, and then next weekend we'll be at Air- in Arizona, but I've got a, a nice two week break. I am going to hit the range, hit the sim uh, and practice. But now I know that the ball matters. Um, I'll be making sure that I'm teeing it up with a good one before, uh, before I hit, because those drivers, I was, it was driving me nuts. I was like, I'm swinging hard. And I like the numbers looked good. And I was like, why is this fucking going nowhere? So now, you know, the more, you know, when you play simulator golf. All right, let's get into our mulligan of the week. Uh, Mar- Marissa's got one for us this week as well. Do you, I'll just start it off. Um, we'll go with a simple one. You know, we talked about yours uh, a couple weeks ago and your incident with my bathtub. Well, now it's my turn. Uh, my inside of my right knee is currently fully purple, about the size of a fucking softball. Uh, I tried to step in, and I kind of... Like it's one of those things where you don't want to go fast into the into a wet tub because that obviously can spell disaster. But like I was going so slow and then I started to slowly trickle my foot that it just kept going. And I fucking my knee just ripped the side of the tub. And immediately I just gave one of the like, oh like fuck, I know that's gonna be a bruise. And we're like a week and a half out and it's still massive. If I wasn't wearing these tight ass joggers, I'd put this shit up on camera, but um, it hurts. It hurts a lot. So, uh, Spencer's tub to us zero. 
that thing is sketchy man you gotta look into getting some sort of like handicapped handrail what is that like uh something certified where it's like certified handicapped um epa or something like that um well i thought my towel rack was that but it's currently hanging on by the last fucking screw because of your ass so well it was either that or i was i was going over like the kool-aid man head first onto the fucking bathroom floor so oh yeah oh yeah i had to do something to save myself and that it was just the panic do the splits fucking rip your taint grab the the towel rack and hold on for dear life so i've been there um okay so my mulligan of the week uh i know it's a little lame because we talked about it but I just was fully bought into the Ravens actually being legitimate um, and able to beat the Chiefs. And obviously, I was proven wrong. Like, we have a group chat with some of our friends, and one of our buddies is a, a Baltimore fan. So that's how you know you really can't trust him. Um, but he was like, I bet the Ravens plus t- or minus 10. I don't think four is enough. I think they're going to blow him out. And it just kind of like dawned on me that people actually legitimately thought that. And I started to think the same thing. I was like, we're going to watch the Chiefs go down today. And right the, the first offensive possession for the Ra- Ravens, I immediately like felt sick to my stomach. I was like, this is going so poorly. The play, callings on the Ra- play calling on the Ravens' end was absolutely tragic. And uh, I just don't want to have to sit through another Chiefs Super Bowl. But here we are. It's, it's like a fever dream. Just waking up and the Chiefs are good every single fucking year. And especially this year after the middle of the season, it looked like they were, you know, falling off. They were out. But you just can't count Patrick Mahomes out. Like, how dumb of me to to think that his team was going to lose. Yeah, it. I was on the Chiefs. Like, I just kind of knew. Just Lamar had never proven to me anything. And like you said, after, Lamar Jackson's a fraud. I think he first drive. I will say, though. He wasn't as fraudulent as he could have been. Zay Flowers made some fucking dumb plays. If they score that touchdown there, that's a completely different football game. Oh, absolutely. Well, I will say I was thinking about this. I I think the worst position in like professional sports is to have a quarterback that is your franchise guy that can't get over the hump. Because you it's not like they're making a change. It's not like they're going to go away from Lamar and be like, you know, we need to go in a different direction. They're just going to do the exact same thing next year and hope that the outcome is different. And like, how many times can you do that over and over again? So I would honestly rather suck uh, than have a team that wins 12, 13 games a year. And I know can't get over the hump of winning in the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, like Buffalo Bills are in the same exact category right now. And yeah, Josh Allen, I would put Lamar and Josh in kind of the same boat. I will say that Lamar's gotten more help from a team standpoint than Josh has gotten with the Bills. Uh, But yeah, it's just a a tough scene for anybody that thought Patrick Mahomes is going to shit down his leg. He's just like, I mean, it's they're already talking about him as like the best quarterback ever. And he's what, 27 years old? Yeah. Like. He's had, we've never seen a run like this. It's makes me sick. Yeah. Well, Brady did this, but he did it over a much longer period. You know, he's won six and hopefully Mahomes never gets to that point. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty unprecedented that basically every year you can wake up in July and pencil the Chiefs in for the Super Bowl, no matter who they, they could get fuck all for receivers like they had this year and still end up being in the Super Bowl. All right, Marissa, Mulligan of the week time. Tap in. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Fucking lay it all out there. This is the time. Um, so I think Spencer knows. Mitch, I think you see maybe you've seen a little bit of it, but I'm awkward as fuck. So like there's not a lot of things that I like I don't want attention at all on me. So if I can just be like someone who no one pays attention to, that'd be great. But I was trying to be nice for my husband, so I was gonna go get him some granola bars because he wasn't feeling good. So I went to King Supers. And I couldn't find those things at all. Finally find them after like 10 minutes, already frustrated. And this man comes down the aisle and he's singing like out loud, really loud. So I'm like, oh, well, what a nice voice. And he like, so I kind of smiled, but like I didn't look at him. 
Um, and he stops in front of me and he starts serenading me really loud. Um, and he's telling me how much like I'm great and he he I'm love at first sight, like whatever. And people start like filing like or stopping to watch this happen. So oh I'm like my. turning super red. So I panic and I like pretty much like backwards walk my way out of the aisle like no 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 like I'm good I get to the end of the aisle I sprint all the way down to the other aisle like I'm running like I'm running trying to get out of there and he catches me on the other side to finish singing to me I panic instead of being like mature and being like no 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 like I'm married thank you so much I drop the granola bars where they're at on the floor (laughs) and I ran out of the store Oh, my God. I did not get granola bars from my husband. I refuse to ever do something nice for him again. And um, I, I need to be escorted in and out of the grocery store from now on. No, I I feel that. I uh, I kind of went through something similar today. I was in the hot tub at Lifetime. I know it's like all my stories are from the gym. That's my, that's my get out of the cage a uh, couple hours of the day. But... Um, I, I wear my AirPods in the hot tub and this dude just started talking to me when I had my AirPods. I'm like, I'm like, dude, are, and he was like staring at me and I didn't want to look over cause I knew that he wanted to talk to me. So I was just like looking forward, pretending like nothing was happening. And, um, then I look over and it's just a full blown conversation. I'm like, this is why I wear my AirPods. So I can avoid this shit. So, yeah, there's really no way to avoid like a public thing like that. You just got to, like you said, uh, not run out of the store and drop the granola bars. Like he probably thought that you scared the shit out of him. Or I'm sorry, he probably thought he scared the shit out of you when you just didn't know what to do. Yeah, I definitely made a bigger scene than I needed to, but I panicked. (laughs) Oh, God. Sometimes you just panic and drop your shit and fucking dip out. I've done it a time or two. Yeah, there is certain times where your brain just like shuts off and you just got to get out. Like you're not thinking logically. There's no like logically walking your way out of this. It's just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. The the fun fact is I do it pretty much every day, but it's fine. I'm working on it. I'm growing we should just change it to mulligan of the day for her. I think that would be a pretty that would be a pretty fire segment. Just seven days a week we could have something. New. I haven't even told you guys about my sniper falls yet, so those were fun too. Oh, not sure right, what those. We're uh, we'll save that for a little waste management Monday um, mulligan of the week. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Big Drive Energy Winner's Circle Edition. We will talk to you guys on wednesday we'll have a little preview of the weekend events um and get into some other golf related activities because this is a golf podcast big drive energy check us out on twitter at big drive energy on instagram at big drive energy pod youtube.com big drive energy golf that's enough big drive energies for me that's enough big drive energy for you today we'll talk to you guys on wednesday peace